Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Back to Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, June 1st, 2023. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. A very busy weekend in wrestling last weekend between WWE Night of Champions, AEW Double or Nothing, and NXT Battleground, all of which we will be reviewing here on Wrestle Rant Radio today, myself and Mr. Marceau, including an on-site report from NXT Battleground. I actually missed Double or Nothing Live because I was at the NXT show, and we had a great time, so... More on that momentarily with Mr. Marceau. Before that, though, we got an exclusive interview here on the show today with one of the stars of the new Masters of Puppets play right here in Connecticut. In Brantford, Connecticut, they're doing a wrestling-themed play. This is not a prank. This is real. I actually thought it wasn't real when I first got the email about it. Gotta give major props to the Legacy Theater for inviting me out last Friday for the big premiere of the play. Um, It was indeed a wrestling play. Kurt Fuller, who we're going to have here on the show today, plays a character named Victor Cragston. And if that sounds a lot like Vince McMahon, well, it, that's probably why. Uh, you got to go see it to see it for yourself and believe what you're seeing. It's excellent stuff. My short review here, and I'll probably do a further review in article form, video form, whatever, get the word out about this play. It's awesome. It's only playing, it was playing last weekend, obviously, over Memorial Day weekend. Um, A lot of wrestling going on. If you missed it, no worries. But if you're in the area, Connecticut, New York, Rhode Island, Mass, whatever, it's in Brantford, Connecticut, Legacy Theater. Tickets are available online right now. They have shows on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Friday nights at 8 p.m. I think it's playing Thursday nights as well. But Saturday and Sunday, they have a matinee show at 2 p.m. and an evening show at 8 p.m. So check it out one of those days between this weekend and next weekend. It's a limited run. And again, Kurt's in the play as a Vince McMahon-esque character. A lot of things are exaggerated for the purpose of the play. But how I felt watching it, it felt like watching a live adaption of a Dark Side of the Ring episode. And I mean that in the best way possible. Which, Dark Side of the Ring just came back, by the way, this past Tuesday. Very good episode on Chris Candido and Tammy Sitch. Uh, depressing, but a good episode. But anyway, go check it out. The Masters of Puppets play playing this weekend, next weekend at the Legacy Theater here in Connecticut. Kurt Fuller has the leading role and he does a fantastic job. He's on WrestleRant Radio here today talking all about his participation in the play, the role coming about, working with James Roday, Rodriguez of Psych Fame and A Million Little Things as well, uh, Gary on that show. And he talks all about, you know, James producing the play, being a wrestling fan himself, his work on No Holds Barred back in the day. Kurt was in that movie as well. He's a familiar face from that movie. He's also in uh, On the Show Psych as well, obviously. 
Ghostbusters 2, Wayne's World, among many other projects. He's a familiar face and does a great job in the play. Very cool guy as well, as you'll find out here in the interview coming up shortly. And I got to meet him after the play, and he was awesome. So uh, check it out right now, our exclusive interview with Kurt Fuller from Masters of Puppets. Graham Jason Matthews here coming up next week into the Legacy Theater here in Connecticut. We got the Masters of Puppets play. Very excited for this as a wrestling fan myself. A lot of notable names involved in the play coming up next weekend, May 25th through the 27th, and pretty much throughout the most of the month of May as well. Kurt Fuller, a part of this play, and, and Kurt, a big fan of your work. Very excited to be talking to you here today about Master Puppets and so much more. How are you? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. And and it, it's running uh, until June 11th is our last night. Yeah, all right. All right, perfect. I think it's coming up on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, if I'm not... Correct. All right, perfect. Yeah, so Correct. There's, there's a lot to look forward to here. And, and not just the fact that... It's a play coming here to Connecticut, obviously. You know, that alone is worth looking forward to. But this is a wrestling-themed play, just to kind of put that out there, which is crazy. As a wrestling fan myself, and again, as someone who has followed your work for a very long time now, it's kind of like my two worlds kind of colliding. So to see your name attached to this, I, I was very excited. And obviously for you as well, being involved in No Holds Barred 30-something years ago, coming back into the wrestling realm, it, it's kind of everything kind of going full circle, so to speak. Ain't, ain't it the truth? I'm <laughs> sort of... Began my career with No Holds Barred mm -hmm. and ending my career with Masters of Puppets. Sort of, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you, you never know when your last job is, and uh, this would be a great one. But uh, it, it's interesting because No Holds Barred, you mentioned that it's like it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. I remember almost everything about that movie wow. because there were so many huge characters, huge personalities involved that they were, that they were unforgettable. And, and I didn't know much about wrestling when I did it. Mm -hmm. uh, and knowing more about wrestling now, uh, Masters of Puppets, which is really, it uses the, the behind the scenes world of wrestling um, and all the characters involved uh, as really sort of a study of uh, love, power, and money, which is, sort of what wrestling is mm -hmm. anyway and um all it's it's and it's it's very funny and really entertaining um and wrestling fans and non-wrestling fans alike uh will will relate to it so i'm i'm very excited to be doing it and I, i'm still prepared to answer any questions also about no holds barred and Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still open to that. I, 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 I'm not too big to talk about my old days with the World Wrestling Federation. Of course. No, I mean, like, yeah. this, like just doing all these different projects in between, starting the Holds Barred, kind of ending with Masters of Puppets, like you said. Was that part yeah. of the appeal in, in taking this role as part of this play and seeing, all right, I have some, ex some ex experience in this realm. Or was it really just a different project <laughs> you wanted to explore? Like, what was the appeal of this to you in addition to everything, uh, everything else you already mentioned? Well, uh, you know, I, I have done since No Holds Barred. My God, I've never, I've never stopped. Yeah. So uh, I took this more as a really interesting play, but I recognized so many things that rang true out of what I knew from being around uh, Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan, and and I mean all the. I mean, those the wrestlers at the time I worked with were huge. Mm -hmm. they, you know, this is when they were selling out the Pontiac Silverdome and yep. all these guys who probably people don't remember or uh, you know only only know from from you know from reading about them or seeing old old videos. Um, this this play 
makes it all come to life and, and yet goes so far beyond it. Um, so it, it, it really was both. That was a, it was a good question because it was really both things. I thought the play, which is new and different and, um, you know, stands on its own, plus my experience and all the things it reminded me of make it uh, uh, very interesting for me to, to be part of. Yeah, and it's such a cool premise, like you said earlier as well, kind of like the in-depth look behind the curtain of pro wrestling. Like I say pro wrestling really play, is. yeah. And, and just kind of going off what you said, it's not just like, you know, matches or whatever like that. It's about what really goes beyond the business. And, yes. you know, as a wrestling fan, not that I've, you know, I'm a wrestler myself, but I, co- I know a little bit about it. If you watch some documentaries, No Holds Barred, you can kind of see it a little bit, but not so much the money, the drama, some yeah. of the greed that goes into it. And this is going to cover... Which is really all of it. Yeah, it's it all really about is. Money. Yeah. And for the wrestlers, it's all about money. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just all about money. Yeah, no, and, it's cool. Uh, yeah. It's, and it's interesting, you know, I mean, this is a dramatization, and I'm sure n- nothing is true, but everything could be true. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things that people do for money, it always amazes me. <laughs> You know, when you look at the world and just everything, what people will do for money and sex, Mm -hmm. not so much love, uh, (laughs) but but, but really what people will do for money and sex blows my mind. Mm Mm-hmm. And it hasn't changed either. I mean, we're talking like no. decades of uh, of the business and really just in life in general. But I mean, it's yeah. not like it's died down any since the 80s or 90s, you know? No, it has not. And I probably, I think, you know, what they, they, he sold uh, his, uh, well, I don't know what's called, not WWE, yep. uh, for $9 billion. Mm-hmm. That's an astronomical <laughs> amount of money. An astronomical yeah. amount of money. It certainly wasn't worth that when I was doing this movie. It was just starting to get big, you know, and uh, it's just, and this is sort of, and I'm not playing Vince McMahon, but Mm -hmm. I'm playing, you know, Vince McMahon, Ted Turner, you know, Sumner Redstone, Donald Trump. I'm playing a combination (laughs) of all these people. Who love money? Mm. <laughs> that's what I'm playing. I who love the, money and power. Yeah, and a lot of those people sound similar as well. So I'm very interested to see what the character is and, and what you can bring to the role, just in everything else you've done and over the course of your career. I think you're the perfect fit for it. And, and in going well, to thank a, you. yeah, absolutely. And in going to a project like this, is there any sort of like homework that you have to do for it to kind of perfect the role, or are you just kind of go in there and do the best job that you can? Well, with every, I mean. Every project has has homework. I mean, I I did uh, go. I I but I didn't just go back and study wrestling mm-hmm. uh, or check out. I just sort of um, uh, went. I sort of done research on very powerful men who weren't quite as powerful as they thought they were, mm-hmm. because you know these are great people who could have been great and could have had it all. Who you know. They 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 always they always get what's coming to them a little bit, and mm-hmm. and and the character in this play does, but he he survives. He's still going, and that happens. You know that these 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 big people, big powerful, uh, ambitious people. It's hard. It's they won't let themselves be brought down. It's part of what makes them so successful. Yep. They find a way to survive and. I'm playing a guy who is pretty much the ultimate survivor. Mm-hmm. And um, 
it's a great quality. It's a quality I admire very much. And it's a quality I've had to have as an actor, and most actors have to have mm-hmm. if you're going to do anything in the business. Especially when you, when when you don't have your looks. When you don't have looks, you got to have something else. <laughs> and uh, you know, you, you and so I sort of know. I sort of lived this type, but I'm I appreciate this this kind of drive that makes somebody uh, uber successful. Yeah, uh, it, it's a really interesting and uh, funny. It's funny uh, person. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. It's like a deep dive on that character analysis that really a yeah. lot of people we see in everyday life and business. And it's more than just Absolutely. a wrestling thing. Like you said, the Ted Turner's, Vince McMahon's, the Donald Trump's of the world. Like these are things that kind of transcend wrestling in, in business. And you just see it in everyday yeah. life, whether it be a boss or whatever it might be. I think everyone is going to go to a play like this and really come away with it. Uh, not just with a deeper appreciation or understanding, rather, uh, of the wrestling business, but just uh, really resonating with characters such as yourself, which is why I feel like this is going to be such a success. Well, thank you. I, I, I'm really, we're still rehearsing and it's still growing. I can't wait to see how it finally, what shape it finally takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I can say, you come and see it, you're going to have a good time. You're going to laugh and you're going to see yourself in it. And if you're married, you're going to see yourself in it. Mm-hmm. And um, male and female, there's a very strong, uh, there's a very, very strong female character in it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward With to that. wonderful actress. Yeah, no, there's a wonderful cast of characters involved in the project. Like I said, your name's standing out to me, just having followed your career since No Holds Barred. But wow. a lot of people Thanks. involved. Yeah, absolutely. And just a lot of great notable names involved in this. Obviously not on the on-screen portion of it, but one of the masterminds behind uh, the play itself, James Roday Rodriguez. Obviously someone you have yes. a lot of history with as part of Psych. You being the corner on the show, Woody, one of my favorite roles on that show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, one of my favorite roles in my life. So. Yeah, no, just he did a fantastic job of playing that role. Just talk about being thank kind you. of reunited with James as part of this project. Well, it, we're reunited in a sort of a business sense, but James and I, and really all the people from, from Psych, have all remained very, very good friends. Awesome. Um, and I have always talked to James, but we haven't done a, anything together. Like, mm-hmm. uh, we did a play about 10 years ago, and when he approached me as this one, number one, I love, I, James is a super smart, super talented, super creative guy. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I, I love that about him, and he's just a good friend at the same time. So for me, you know, I'm almost, I'm almost 70 years old now. That's sort of, I'm not looking so much for, I'm looking for experiences and mm-hmm. working with people I like and people who are interesting, and he fits the bill. And he's really smart, and he doesn't pick bad projects. So uh, it, it's been fantastic. That's and I awesome. still, you know, talk to him all the time. That's super cool. Yeah, now just seeing the uh, relationship you guys had in the show, the entire cast. Obviously, since the show ended almost 10 years ago, we've had the movies come out that you've been a part of. I mean, everyone's kind of been back on the same page, which is super cool to see. But I think on on the subject of James, what's something that a lot of people, I think, don't realize, being a wrestling fan myself, I've seen it just through stuff that he's talked about. He's a wrestling fan as well, which is probably the inspiration for this project. I mean, there were so many wrestlers that actually guest starred on Psych. The thing a, a lot of people forget about, I mean, did you have any interactions with those people? Like, I think the big show was on the show. John Cena was on the show at some point. Yeah. Or did you kind of stay away yeah. from those people? 
Uh, no, I don't stay away from those people. <laughs> I, I'm a wrestling fan. I love wrestling. Yep. I think it's fantastic. I think the world is fantastic, and I've always, I've always thought it was underrepresented because yep. it's a fascinating, hilarious, and very, very serious uh, venue. And and these wrestlers, like Hulk used to say, you know, they say wrestling is fake. Well, tell that to my broken body. Yep. You know, uh, these guys live and die for, for, for this sport. And um, James, I, I, I think he's attracted to the same thing I am, which is just the whole, the whole, the whole life of it. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, when wrestlers came onto the show and the wrestlers I worked with uh, during No Holds Barred, mm-hmm. they were all very, you know, not when, when the camera's not on, they're very kind of, uh, not self-effacing, but there's a lot of humility. There's a lot of, you know, calmness. There's not a lot of bravado. Yeah. Just really kind of interesting, uh, good people because you have to play well with others when you're in the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, you have to play nice and, you know, you count on the other people to not screw you up. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, you know they're really very very collaborative and good to good to hang out with. Well, I love that you say that too because I feel like there's such a perception even now. I mean, especially you know years ago, but especially now with the perception of of wrestling and wrestlers, just like these dumb jock athletic type people that don't really yeah, have no. much development beyond that, which is the so so far from the case. I mean, especially now in in, in movies and whatnot, we have John Cena doing big roles, The Rock, but specifically uh, Dave Bautista just had success in, in you know Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, I, I think a lot of people don't really realize that and i think this play is going to do a lot to change the perception of people that aren't fans or haven't been fans in a long time to kind of see what actually goes on the good the bad yeah. and the ugly obviously but come away and these guys are great businessmen yeah too. yeah i mean great and women great yep. business women too yep. they i mean they are smart and uh they know what they're doing and they know what they have to offer yeah yeah, no, most definitely. I think we're going to see a lot of that in this play, and that kind of leads into my last question for you here, you Kurt. Just talking about going from No Holds Barred to this play here, you talked about how you go into that first movie with a perception of what wrestling is and what it is now. You talked about being a fan over the last couple of decades and everything else that goes into it, not just the athleticism, but like the drama, the stuff behind the scenes, yeah. the business aspect. There's just so much that goes into it that draws people to become a fan of wrestling. But just talk about your own, uh, just coming away from this play and doing it, rehearsing it, having a deeper, like I said earlier, appreciation or just understanding of what the business is and how it continues to grow and what it brings to the table? Well, another really good question because um, if I just just thought of uh, the guy I play, Victor Cragston, Mm -hmm. um, trying to keep this this dream, this, this... this life that he that started with his father as really just a little mom and pop business and has grown into this behemoth so much of himself and i would think with vince and uh you know anybody else who has a has a you know has, has built a company so much of your identity is wrapped up in how it is and how it's perceived and what legacy you're going to leave uh, you know, when you're gone mm-hmm. and it's really, it's really about 
validating your life and validating the life you've lived. Mm -hmm. And if wrestling fails, if, if this company fails, my character Victor has failed. Mm -hmm. his, his life is meaningless. So it's really a, a life and death struggle. And I think for Vince, it's, it, it, it's been a life and death struggle. And I think selling it uh, with all the, you know, all the, the drama and all the, I mean, what a, what an amazing, weird life he has lived. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I think it's a, it's, it's an exultant, fantastic moment for him to have, uh, I, I think he hates to not be the head of the company anymore. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that that hurts him, but the value that has been placed on it has got to be very validating for him that he built it and it's appreciated and uh, it's valued for over $9 billion. That's, yeah. that's quite an amazing thing, but it, it really, and this play is about how, how the, the, the company and the person are inseparable. Mm -hmm. They are the same. Such a and, and that's, that's really it. No, I love that. I love the insight, especially since, it, like you said, it's so timely right now, with, especially with everything yeah. going on with Vince McMahon, the selling of the company, yeah. and just all the scandals and stuff that he was involved in last year. This oh play, God. without having seen it yet myself, I feel like will perfectly yeah. encapsulate what everything has been going on, you know, like all yeah. this stuff and, and just how timely it is. I love it. I'm looking forward to being there uh, next Saturday to go see it. Like I said, the Legacy Theater in, in Branford, starting May 25th, it's going to be running. It's very uh, nice theater, by the way. It is. Yeah. Very, very comfortable, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a great area over there. It's not too far for me at all. So I was very excited to see not only that you were going to be doing a play here in the area, but that it was wrestling themed. Again, all my worlds is kind of colliding here. Being a massive psych yeah. fan, wrestling fan, no holds barred fan. Great stuff. Going to be running from uh, May 25th through June 11th, as you said. A couple of weeks, people have the chance to go check it out. It's fantastic. Uh, like I said, I hope for, so. Stop by and say hello. Oh, most definitely will. I'm looking forward to it. I actually became a Psych fan first and then a wrestling fan because Psych aired on USA. So without sure. Psych, I don't think I would even be a wrestling fan today with the work that you guys did on Psych. And uh, well, I, I don't think I would even be watching wrestling. So I have you to thank for that. I'll tell I'll tell Rodé you said that. <laughs> Thank you, Kurt, and appreciate all the work you've done uh, over the years. I'm looking forward to uh, the part pleasure. you play in the play. Thanks so much. Big thanks to Kurt for the time. He was fantastic. Like I said earlier, tickets available right now for Masters of Puppets online through the Legacy Theater website, playing this weekend and next weekend. So if you're in the area, and if, even if you're not in the area, drive on out, fly on out, check it out this weekend and next weekend. It was well worth the time. All wrestling fans, it's a must. It is a must for all wrestling fans. And like I said earlier, Kurt does an exceptional job. Now, having seen the play, this was recorded before I even saw it. Um, and now, having seen it, it is well recommended to all wrestling fans and even non-wrestling fans. We'll very likely enjoy it as well. And now we throw it to my conversation with Mr. Marceau, breaking down Battleground, Double or Nothing, and Night of Champions from this past weekend. A lot of wrestling to get into. Mr. Marceau, brother, how you doing? Doing well. How are you? Doing excellent. How's the uh, shoulder healing up? I didn't actually pop it out of its socket this time. You didn't sit next to me, but uh, I know it's still healing up from 2016 when we went for the NXT house show. No, it's doing better. I did some stretches this morning. It's not. We weren't at the Lowell Auditorium Memorial Theater, so um, it, it, it usually gets a little loose when we get back there in that area, but luckily we're in a different part of Lowell. Uh, it's doing well. It was a different arena. I sound like an idiot because I, I, I probably mentioned it here to you on the show before and definitely to other people. I thought it was the Tonga Center. It's actually the S. I thought the S was silent. The T is silent. It's the Songa Center. So 
unless I misheard it again, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But yes, we were there for the show on Sunday. Did not catch Double or Nothing Live. I did catch up eventually. Um, thought it was a solid show. I enjoyed NXT. I thought Night of Champions was a good show. We're spending today breaking all of it down, all three shows, from Memorial Day weekend as we head into the month of June, which is thankfully a little bit quieter. Um, no pay-per-views this month from WWE or AEW, although we do have the debut of Collision. Let's mention that real quickly before we get any of the pay-per-views, because this is still fresh in the mind from last night on Dynamite. CM Punk announced this coming back to AEW officially on Saturday, June 17th, on that collision show at the United Center in Chicago. We've talked about Punk weekly here on the show. There really is nothing left to say at this point. But I do want to mention this real quickly. Um, it's now official. He will be on the show. They must have rehired Ace Steel, so <laughs> they must have worked out the kinks there. Um, not only that, but they're probably going to have him wrestle a match, I would imagine. I mean, have him come out. What is he really going to talk about? I mean, could he talk about the elite, the, the brawl out situation? Probably not. I'm not really sure he should have a match on that show. We mentioned Samoa Joe. Cool. When they announced his name last night, an audibly mixed reaction, as mixed of a reaction as he's ever gotten so far in AEW, which I think is interesting. And honestly, to turn him heel is perfectly fine with me. He has proven in the past in WWE. He can be an excellent heel and elsewhere as well. Um... I honestly think it would be a smart decision to just run with whatever the majority opinion of him is. He will be a heel at some point, but they might have to do it on the sooner side if people are willing to boo him. All the elite fans that fucking hate Punk for almost kicking them out of the company and all this other sort of shit. I mean, I think it's entertaining as hell. People are just getting all up in arms about it. I'm a Punk guy. I'm not saying I'm taking his side in the situation. I mean, he was obviously in the wrong as well, but... Uh, people all up in arms about Punk coming back. I think it's a big positive for the show. And if he gets booed, I would say just run with it and turn him heel. What say you? Um, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think for, for the first collision, I mean, I, I assume he'll get cheered just because yeah. it's going to be Chicago. Um, so maybe you'll have to, like, flush it out a little bit. But, yeah, like you said, pretty noticeable mixed reaction. Um, I mean, I don't think that they should have been surprised by that. I mean, obviously the company was kind of based off the elite. You're kind of going to get that more indie fan anyway, so I feel like they're going to side with the Young Bucks and the Elite over him anyways. Um, but I think I was a little bit surprised. That would be like a couple boos. It was kind of more of, like, like you said, it was kind of more of a mixed one, but yeah, I think a heel run probably is in the works. I mean, if he works with Samoa Joe, I feel like you wouldn't do that because Joe's a heel, but we'll see what happens, but I, I think you'd have to have him wrestle on the show. Like I said, now that they announced him, I think him coming out there, what's, like you said, what's he going to say? I got in a fight? Like, I don't know. I feel like you'd have to the wrestle or maybe set something out like an angle or something. Yeah, no, for sure. So, I mean, I, I think legally he can't even talk about it, I'm pretty sure. I mean, the Bucks certainly have, and I think they had filmed stuff for All Access where they did mention Punk or Brawl Out, and they were forced or legally, you know, uh, advised to take it out. So, I mean, whether they want to talk about it or not, I don't think they can due to the Brawl Out situation, so... There's really not much he can mention aside from just missing the fans. And do they really want to capitalize on the controversy that is surrounding Punk right now? They might have to turn him heel at some point. I feel like that'd be pretty entertaining. So um, I would still do Punk and Joe either on that first show or soon after. I feel like that's a, a big money match they can do. Run it back from 20 years ago. I feel like it would be a good match. The promos could be great. And then go from there. Um, let's jump over to Night of Champions first from Saturday afternoon. A very good show overall, I thought. One of the better Saudi shows I think they've done. Um, a quick seven-match show over in about three hours. We opened the show with the World Heavyweight Championship on the line. Now, I was not a fan of this. I do not think it was confirmed in an update from what I've seen since Saturday that Rollins had to leave early to film the movie. I'm pretty sure I think Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful had mentioned that he had already finished filming the movie, and that's more credible than I had seen other reports from just rumors and whatnot. So 
I don't think that was the reason. I think they had him open the show, not because he had to leave. I know Becky was on second. I know we talked about this. Maybe it was the the reason. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. And they only did that because um, they needed that Jimmy Uso angle to close the show, which is perfectly understandable in retrospect. But before we get into the match itself, or I guess while discussing the match, because Rollins and AJ was a great match, excellent as expected. Rollins wins also as expected. Rollins is, you know, the right first choice as champion. I was kind of hoping AJ would win, go to Raw. Cody might go to SmackDown and return. That That's not happening. I mean, that was all pie in the sky, obviously. What an idiot I was for even thinking that was a possibility. Um, match was great. So talk about the match, but also the fact that they have this thing open the show. Now, I know they don't really have much of a choice to not have it open the show because it's not going to close the show. It, I know it's circumstantial. But it just doesn't help send the message regarding the championship being on the same level as the undisputed title when it's fucking not. I mean, just talk about that a little bit. No, yeah, definitely. I think it doesn't send the right message because, like you said, if it was more of a big deal or the equal equal kind of value or what it's seen as, I feel like it would have been it should have probably main evented. But I think the problem, which isn't really their problem, is more just with Roman, like with Jimmy turning. I mean, that was just. I mean, that was more talked about than Rollins winning. And I don't know if that's because that's the belt or it's just it's not involving with Roman. But, I mean, I feel like anything with Roman right now, just anything that happens, this is kind of the biggest thing that gets talked about in WWE. So with Jimmy turning, obviously we didn't know that was going to happen. But looking at it now, I mean, it makes sense. Um, But it definitely doesn't send, like, a good image or send a good – like, doesn't look good saying, like, these titles are supposed to be equal and – this one kicked off the show, and the other one, like I said, a guy turned on Roman Reigns. Obviously, like Roman lost, and that was like bigger news coming out than than Rollins actually winning. I mean, could you not have had, and maybe it wouldn't have worked out with the formatting of the show because this was a hotter match than Brock and Cody. Could you not have had this go near the main event? I mean, it's the fucking opener, and I talked about this yesterday in hashtag. It gives me World Heavyweight Title vibes from like 2012, 2013 when it was opening WrestleMania and opening. Not that we haven't seen that with the WWE title, but, like, it was consistently opening Raws and SmackDowns as a fucking glorified mid-card title. I just don't want this to become the norm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we say this a lot, which I think is very true. It's like, when we say, like, oh, there should there be, like, a women's or a men's match. It just depends. I feel like, yes, the title should be important, but when you're looking at it, like, did it really deserve the main event? Probably not. I mean... With what we're looking at, I mean, Roman is the guy. Mm-hmm. Everything with him is the main event. Does it send the best message of this title first being defended opening the show? No, but I think you also have to look at it as we always say, like, what should happen. Like, it shouldn't be based on, oh, this is a new title. we got to put in the main event just to put in the main event. Like, I feel like a neat, obviously, it'll eventually hopefully get that prestige to get to that point. But right now with Roman, I think it's just he has the main event or whatever he's in. It's just because it is the biggest thing. Um but I understand, like, as a logistical thing, it doesn't look the greatest. Yeah, I mean, in that case, and you're not going to not have a second world title at some point, but in that case, just have Roman be the single world champion for right now, or at least have him appear more, or, or figure it out. That, that's the problem. Like, I agree, Roman is the biggest and best thing going currently in WWE. He should be main eventing if this is the stuff that he's doing. That was the biggest talking point from Night of Champions, was the ending with Jimmy Uso turning on Roman Reigns. I get it. But the world title wasn't even on the line. It was the fucking tag titles. And great for the tag team titles. But it's just like, all right, can we not have made the world heavyweight title feel bigger? Like, I agree with you. You can't always go with the main event. All right, 
go with the women just because it's the right thing to do or go with the world title match just because that's what you should be doing. You got to go with the biggest match and the most exciting match. We, we talked about this before with, um, you know, WrestleMania, like you mentioned with Rhea and Charlotte and whatnot. You have to go with a better story. The main event on this show had a better story. Rollins and AJ had no story. It was just for the inaugural World Heavyweight Championship. I'm just hoping going forward, they can make that belt feel actually important and not just, a, again, what we've already felt like, a consolation prize for the red brand. So it's not off to the strongest start. This was a great match, though. Rollins wins. Uh, we already talked about first challengers last week. We really don't have much of an indication as far as what's next for Rollins coming out of Raw this week. I thought Raw was fine. A lot of questionable decisions. AJ showing up on the show was fucking dumb. I know they acknowledged, oh, he's not supposed to be here. Then don't do it in the first place. Like, that doesn't make it that much better. Um, they acknowledged that it wasn't normal for AJ to be there, but then why do it in the first place? Just to wrestle a tag team match with fucking Rollins? What, what was the point? Unless they're building the Rollins and AJ again, which I don't think they are, and AJ's coming to Raw, I thought that was very dumb. Um, but anyway, maybe the Judgment Day. Any updated thoughts on what could be next for Rollins as we head into Money in the Bank? Because we, we talked about Damien, and he makes the most sense, but then he got pinned on Monday's Raw. Balor was not pinned, but his team also lost, and we already saw Rollins beat Balor a couple weeks ago. I, I have no interest in seeing that again anytime soon. Yeah, it's kind of confusing. Like I said, I thought we were going to get Damien and Seth, but with him losing on Monday, kind of steers that away. I mean, you can still probably do it, but I also don't want to see Finn again because he just lost the wrong. So, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be something with the Judgment Day. Like I said, I feel like you could still do Priest. It just wouldn't make too much sense with him losing. If that if that was the case, you would just have Finn lose and then you do Seth and, and, and Damian. But I think it'll be something with the Judgment Day. I just don't totally know what it'll be. I mean, you have the undefeated Bronson. Re- oh, wait, never mind. He's not undefeated anymore. That doesn't make sense. Um, there really is no one else on Raw, realistically. I mean, Bronson would have been nice, but they had him lose on Monday in the Money the Bank qualifier, which was very dumb. I mean, we talked about it before. I mean, mention that real quickly because we probably won't get to Raw as a whole, but we had qualified Shinsuke Nakamura and Ricochet. We have two women's qualifiers next week on Raw. There's going to be six spots each for both brands total, not not each. Um, so we have Nakamura and Ricochet in there qualifying over Miz and Bronson. Miz, who gives a shit about, but realistically, he should not have even been in the qualifier, although it was a good match. Bronson Reed not being in there is a big head-scratcher to me. He's someone that could be at that world title level, whether he wins or not, probably not. Um, they haven't done the best job of protecting him lately, I'll say that much. No, yeah, I mean, I was dumbfounded when Bronson lost on Raw. I mean, I, they've kind of also sent mixed signals on Shinsuke. Like, he came back, he was winning, then he, like, lost a few times, and now he beats Bronson here, and... Bronson's been on a pretty, like, under, like you said, undefeated. Um, loses here. He lost in the Battle Royal. He's kind of losing some steam. I mean, kind of got to, with someone like him, I feel like he was starting to get over, but then now he's starting to lose pretty regularly. Like, can't be doing that. And, I mean, Chinsky is not going to win. Ricochet, like, I guess he can do, like, a shooting star and people will get, like, their panties wet or something. But, like, <laughs> I, I don't really give a shit. So, and I don't think he's going to win either. So, I mean, I would have just had Bronson beat Shinsuke here. I, like you've mentioned before, like, people might have mentioned, like, oh, maybe they'll do a last chance and Bronson can get in. But if that was the case, you would just have Bronson beat Shinsuke and you get Shinsuke in that way. I, I just, I don't know, it was kind of head-scratching. I, I mean, we kind of did like a prediction of what the roster could look like for the money in the bank. It isn't the sexiest of all time. Um, but I guess we still got to see what's happening on SmackDown side. But I think Shinsuke and Ricochet being the first two people in kind of 
has me scratching my head a little bit. I know they're popular, specifically Shinsuke, but like you said, they're not winning. And with Nakamura, it would be one thing if he got a renewed push, and I know there were rumors when he first came back a month ago, alright, they might be pushing him as a main eventer again. He beats Karrion Cross. he beat Madcap Moss on SmackDown, great. Comes to Raw, beat Miz, I think, his first weekend. And then he was in that um, triple threat where he got pinned. Damian Priest did not. He got pinned. Okay. And then a week or two later, he lost to Finn Balor on Raw. Okay, so is he is he someone that we're focusing on or not? Like, I just don't get the, not the 50-50 booking, but it just hasn't been consistent. I thought we were getting a Nakamura-Priest match, and that was clearly dropped if they were even building to it at all. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of confused. We'll see. Uh, there'll be quality additions to the match, and it will be a good match, but if they're not going to win, then I just don't see the purpose. Just because Ricochet could do a flip in the match, who gives a fuck? I mean, we've seen it before. Cool. That's what, like, I'm not going to say LA Knight, that's what he's there for, because he's not. I mean, Montez Ford would be that guy, but I'm hoping he doesn't qualify and it goes to LA Knight instead. I'm not confident on that. Uh, we do have two qualifiers set for Raw next week. It's going to be Natalia and Zoe Stark. And Natalia got squashed in a minute at the pay-per-view. We'll talk about that momentarily. And then Becky Lynch versus Sonya Deville. Now, I assume both Zoe and Becky could win. Um, I, I hope they win, rather. I mean, I, I don't. I think it'd be pretty dumb if they cost each other the win, that we get fucking Natalia and Sonya in there. You talk about people that aren't going to win. I like Sonya. She's not winning. I would honestly have Chelsea Green in there, if anything, but she's not going to win either, but she'd be a better fit for that match. And then Natalia is just who gives a shit at this point. Um, that all stems from what we saw at Net of Champions going back to the pay-per-view. Becky Lynch losing to Trish Stratus in their first one-on-one match, which was honestly, in my opinion, a better match than I thought it would be. There were a couple sloppy spots. Trish is, you know, rusty, obviously. She doesn't wrestle consistently. I, I get it. Um, you know, not her greatest performance of all time, but I thought it was honestly a better match than I thought it would be. They got a little more time than they probably needed. Um, but they made the most of the time they had, had a good match. In the end, Zoe Stark emerging from under the ring. And attacking Becky at ringside, allowing Trish to pick up the victory and establishing their alliance right afterward and on Raw as well. So, Zoe Stark with Trish, I like that finish a lot. It keeps the feud alive, which hasn't been great so far, but throwing Zoe in there is smart. Gets a fresh face in there. Hopefully, she can benefit. Trish has someone to work off of, and Becky can work with Zoe in the meantime. Now, I agree with what you said the other day. I really hope this doesn't lead to Becky just beating Zoe one of these days on Raw, and that's it for her, and then we can move on. I hope not. I wasn't even the biggest Zoe Stark fan in NXT, but I think she can really benefit from this alliance if done properly. No, I thought this was a good touch. With her. I thought the match, like you said, it was better than I expected to be. I thought the promo on Raw that Becky cut on, on Trish was really good. It kind of... A little too late for, like, the build for the match, but at least if we're going to continue, I think that was a good, like, start. I thought the match stuff was good. Like you said, Zoe being incorporated here was good. Um, but I mentioned to you when we were at dinner the other night, I just hope that, yeah, they're including Zoe, but I don't want her just to be included just to, like, basically eat pinfalls and job out to, to, to Becky and basically just be, like, Trish's lackey, like... The whole point of putting her with Trish should be getting her over. I mean, she was doing, she was winning on Raw. Like, obviously, not everyone was giving a shit, but when she was on Raw recently, she had a couple wins. She looked pretty good. I think putting her with Trish is a great start, but I also don't want her just to be like jobbing out to Becky, and then she's just like another heels lackey, and then nothing ever goes anywhere. Yeah, I just feel like that'd be a mistake. So I think she can really benefit so far, so good with Zoe Stark on Raw. Uh, she's won a couple of her matches. She's got a great finisher. Um, Trish wasn't getting a whole lot of heat before they won on Sunday, or on Saturday, rather, so I think she can benefit from it as well, like I said, and Zoe is, uh, 
you know, someone I was not expecting to see actually spotlighted on Raw when you have so many other talented women. Not more talented than Zoe, but, you know, you have, like, the Candices, the Mia Yims, the Tegan Knox, and none of them have really gotten a chance. I mean, Candice kind of, but they haven't really featured her. We've talked about this before. I don't think they've really given her a fair shot. She's been on Raw a lot, but... They haven't really done anything with me, anything meaningful with her so far consistently. Although she did get a video package on Raw this week, which was interesting. Um, but anyway, I hope that leads to a Zoe and uh, Becky match at some point. Maybe Zoe can win. That'd be pretty cool. Um, maybe we get their match at the pay-per-view. I think it's more likely they end up in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Does that make sense to you? I mean, I'd rather have them in there than fucking Natalia and Sonya Deville, who are not going to win at all. No, I think they should both be in it. Um... I mean, I think you could probably do something. I think that, I mean, the match needs star power. Compared to the men's, I mean, it definitely needs some star power. Um, so, yeah, I think having them in it makes sense. I mean, I like Sony a lot. I don't want to go on, like, a Sony rant here, but I feel like she has, like, after the whole Mandy feud, I feel like she was going to go somewhere, and they kind of dropped the ball on her. Obviously, she had that thing in her personal life as well, but I wouldn't mind seeing her in it, but I don't want her to, like, kick out either Becky or Stark with Natalia. I mean, come on. I don't even have to say anything. Rhea Ripley so. beat Natalia in a minute, yeah. So, it's time to move on there. You didn't even catch that, did you? I missed it in speed search. <laughs> it was over immediately, so as it should have been. Nothing really more to say about that one. Um, maybe this is their way of getting Trish off of Raw for right now. If Becky and Zoe will be in the ladder match, they can continue feuding in the meantime. What's Trish really going to do? If, if we know Becky and Trish aren't having a match at Money in the Bank... I guess you can have Trish on Raw managing Zoe Stark, but this honestly sounds like to me their way of writing Trish out for now, and then they do the Money in the Bank thing, and then um, you know maybe they get they they will get back to it in time for SummerSlam either with Becky and Zoe one on one or Becky and Trish one on one again or a tag team match. Either way, uh, they're doing a good job of making the feud more interesting by incorporating Zoe Stark in there. I like that a lot. Intercontinental Championship: Gunter versus Mustafa Ali. Um, good match, exactly what it needed to be. Ali kind of working as the babyface from underneath. Coming close on a few occasions, hitting that 450, ultimately coming up short. Gunter retains, still champion. Uh, this was good. Right result, predictable result, but the right result. Um, they're clearly building to Gunter and Matt Riddle. With one spot left in Money in the Bank that I think is going to Dominic when you already have two other babyfaces in the match. Um... I could, I mean, they, they teased, oh, Riddle could win Money in the Bank and cash in on going to... No, we're not doing that. I, mean, I already told you earlier, we're not doing that shit. I don't want to see another mid-card champion cashed in on for Money in the Bank. It's such a fucking waste. And I know Theory said last year, oh, it's because Roman Reigns is never around. Well, you have a world champion on the show every week now. There's no excuse. It's kind of dumb. Um, I would not want to see that. But yeah, um, I think Gunter and Riddle is the right direction. You could probably do it at Money in the Bank unless you want to save it for SummerSlam. That's also fine, too. But anyway, Gunter and Ali, good match for what it was, like I said. And I'm all on board with Gunter and Riddle for uh, the next feud. What say you? Yeah, I agree. I thought, like you said, I didn't think the outcome was ever really in doubt. But I thought this was a good match. Um, Gunter won. They gave some hope spots to Ali. Just obviously wasn't going to win. Riddle and, and Gunther make sense next. Like I said, for the love of God, please don't cash in. I don't think he's even going to be in the match. But even if he is, the cash in on a mid-card title is just stupid. It's dumb. I honestly wouldn't even completely hate Riddle being Money in the Bank, Mr. Money in the Bank. Not if he's going to cash in on Gunter, which he probably would. Uh, him going for the world title would be interesting, but it doesn't sound like that would be the case. So I, I don't think he'll even be in there if they already have Rick. Like, what's the point of Ricochet being in there when Matt Riddle can be in there instead? That's my question. It's kind of dumb. Um, 
let's see here. We also have for the Raw Women's Championship, which is still on SmackDown. I, I don't know. Don't don't ask me. I have no fucking clue. Um, Asuka ending Bianca's reign as champion at over, I think, 400 days. She's been champion uh, since WrestleMania 38 was Bianca. Lost to Asuka here. Definitely a surprising outcome. We said here on the show last week. I'm honestly, I don't hate Asuka winning, uh, personally. The only issue I have with this is that they should have done it at WrestleMania. Now, I know why they didn't do that. They wanted Bianca to break the record, I guess. But Asuka has lost a lot of momentum since she came back at the Rumble with the face mask. She's still kind of the same character. She's still doing the dumb miss. That's like her whole identity. I think that's awful. Um, They've really overdone it with that crap. The match wasn't as good. I would have had Asuka win a couple months ago. But they had her win here, and uh, the streak is over in favor of Asuka. So... I know you weren't entirely fond of this finish. Explain to me why that is and, and what you would have done instead as far as Bianca. When she would have lost the championship, if at all, in the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just like you said, if they were going to do it, I guess you should have just done it at Mania. I guess, like I said, they wanted Bianca to break the record. So, uh, sure. <laughs> um, I, guess, I, I guess. I don't I don't really know. But, um, but yeah, I just, I thought, Oscar winning here. I, I, I guess that's what we're going with. Um, I mean, the only thing I kind of hope is that Oscar holds it to like SummerSlam, like EO beats her for the belt. Um, I mean, like you said, you think it's gonna be Charlotte. I hope not. Um, but I feel like the only positive of this is like maybe we can finally get like a heel Bianca. I like her as a face, but I don't know. She just is too. I mean, this is a lot of them. Like a lot of baby is just too smiley. I said that before, like Bianca, like you get like her family run over by a truck and she'll skip and hop down to the ring smiling. Mm-hmm. Like she needs a little bit more meaner streak. I mean, she was a great heel in NXT, so maybe we can get that now that she's lost. Um, but I would hopefully have the belt on Asuka and then she loses it to EO at like SummerSlam. Yeah, no, Asuka and EO is the new attraction. I think they've only done the match once and it was at a house show that Alexis and I went to in August. I don't know if they've done it otherwise in WWE. Um, and they haven't done it on TV for a reason either, and they very well could have. They've interacted a lot on TV when Alexa and Asuka were feuding with Damage Control, and they never did the match. So I'm hoping that's because they are saving it for a special occasion on pay-per-view or whatever. Um, hopefully SummerSlam. If not, I mean, could they hold off on that? Because at SummerSlam, they could do Bailey and EO. EO should probably be should probably be in Money in the Bank. They could do B- Bailey and EO at Money in the Bank one-on-one. And then EO and Asuka at SummerSlam, but they may not want to rush it. We don't know when Summer, when uh, Charlotte's coming back. Like, we already have Alexa Bliss got pregnant. Uh, great for her. Excellent news. Uh, Carmella recently announcing she was pregnant. So, I, I don't know if Charlotte's next. I don't know if she wants that kids right now or a kid or whatever. I don't know. I, I was kind of thinking that the other day. I'm thinking, maybe she's not coming back. Like, we haven't seen her in a little while. Like, Alexa, she, I mean, she said it was an accident, Alexa did. Uh, I don't know. We'll see with Charlotte, but... Um, if she is coming back, I would assume she'll be right back in the title picture. Yay. The issue with this, though, as I was saying to uh, Randy the other day, if you turn Bianca, which I agree with, I've said that before, you should probably turn her, she was a great heel in NXT. What do you do with Charlotte? Because you can't really have them on the same side. You have Asuka, I guess, as the top babyface. Can you really have Bianca and Charlotte as top heels on the show? It's kind of the problem I run into. Yeah, I mean, I guess they think of it. Since Charlotte's like not been on TV, I kind of honestly forgot that she's on SmackDown now. Yeah. Um, if you yeah, had I to mean, take one over the other, Oscar's, I mean, Oscar's a heel too. So then yeah. if you had three heels on SmackDown, 
I get, oh, oh Bailey too actually. Bailey's also a Bailey, Yeah, so so you can't you can't have Charlotte, Bailey, and Bianca. If you had to pick one, choose one. Who would turn face or stay face? Do you, do you keep Bianca face and risk her getting heel, uh, stale rather, and keep Charlotte a heel, or do you freshen up Bianca by turning her heel? But that would also mean keeping Charlotte Flair baby face. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I mean Charlotte's so bad as a baby face. That's the problem. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I mean, if I had to pick one, I'd keep Charlotte a heel and keep Bianca babyface. But like I said, like, get, like, more of a mean streak or just kind of, like, have, like I said, just the whole smiling all the time thing just gets old. Um, but if I had to pick out of the two, it would be that. But I think Bianca going heel would be ideal. Yeah, I think it needs to happen. She's been a babyface for a long time now. I think she's great. I'm not sick of her as other people are. Um, putting her in chase mode is a nice step in the right direction. At least she can kind of benefit from being back in chase mode for a little while, and then at some point down the road you could turn her heel. There was a rumor, um, I mean, take it for what it's worth, but there was a rumor that they could have her as a heel act at some point with the Profits. I'm not even sure if that's necessary. I mean, you can keep the Profits together that way. They haven't been heels ever, actually, in WWE, even in NXT, so that'd be an interesting contrast. I just thought you could do Montez and Bianca as a heel act, as a heel couple on SmackDown, but... Maybe you can keep Angelo Dawkins as part of the group as well. Is that something you would want to see? Um, maybe. Uh, Try to think about it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hate it. You could have, you know, Bianca as the centerpiece, and then with the tag team behind her. We don't really see that often, where they have the female as the uh, as the as the focal point of a group, and then the men kind of behind. Her. I mean, we kind of have that with Judgment Day a little bit. Rhea Ripley's really the focal point of the group. Let's be honest. But Dominic's not kind of on her level as well at this point, so I'm not really sure. They're all kind of more equal, but um, I, I wouldn't mind that. I think Montez and Bianca as a heel grew as a heel act, regardless of whether Angelo's in there or not, it, it has to happen at some point. It's too good not to happen. I think they would do well in that role, although I feel like we're still a ways off from that, and that won't happen until much farther down the line, but it will happen inevitably, hopefully. Um, we already talked about Rhea and Natalia. Brock and Cody Rhodes, two, part two on Saturday. Brock winning by uh, technical submission with the referee calling for the bell for Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes, who was locked in a Kimura lock and still passed out. Definitely a goofy finish. I'm not going to argue with that. It didn't bother me, just because the top takeaway for me here is that Brock won by not pinning or submitting technically Cody Rhodes. So he didn't tap out. He didn't say I quit. He didn't get beat with one F5. That was what I was kind of worried about. And they didn't do that. Now, I know your dad said he got buried, Cody Rhodes did, and some other people have said that as well. Some other marks complaining online, oh, Cody Rhodes is buried, he's fine, don't worry. Um, I like the match, I thought it was a good match again from these two, they told a good story, Brock wins, keeps the feud alive, is that necessary? No. I would have rather Cody Rhodes just won and moved on, but it's clear we're not getting Cody and Roman for a long time, if ever, and we'll talk about that momentarily again when we get to the main event, but... uh. This was what it needed to be, and I, I, I like the execution of the finish, although it was a little goofy, like I said, that he passed that to the Kimura and not like a, a chokehold or something, you know? No, I thought this was like the perfect match with Cody Howe, the way that Cody Lucy, like I said, didn't actually tap out or get pinned. He just passed out. I guess, like you said, I think if he did like the guillotine, like that Roman does, and he passed out, okay, it makes sense. The arm bar, I mean, I mean, like maybe the pain was so excruciating past that. I don't really know how you explain that, mm-hmm. but... I think it was the right call. I mean, I think it, it helps a lot, and I don't think it needed to continue. But if they're not going to Brock or to Roman and Cody, which I don't think they are, it makes sense. So I thought this was what it needed to be, get Brock a win, which he needed. 
Cody has out with the arm, and he never tapped out or got pinned. So I think it's a win-win both ways, honestly. No, I agree. I think it uh, progresses the feud. I assume we get the blow-off at Night of... Uh, not Night of Champions. This wasn't Night of Champions. At Money in the Bank. Um, Cody was out on Raw on Monday with a fucking arm and a sling, his titanium cast, which got a good laugh out of me on Saturday. Um, you can always build to a third match at Money in the Bank or at SummerSlam. I would do it at Money in the Bank just to get it over with quickly. Again, just me. And uh, add a little stipulation on there and then move on from there. I assume Cody Rhodes goes over in the end, right? Yeah, he has so. Now, tying that into the main event here, um, Roman and Solo falling short of becoming tag team champions against um, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Very good match. Great main event. Jimmy Uso turns on uh, Roman Reigns, costing the titles. Before we even get into that real quickly, as we talk about Cody and kind of blend these two things together, I've also seen the updated report. They are planning on doing Cody and Roman at Night of Champions. Uh, I keep saying Night of Champions. At WrestleMania next year, WrestleMania 40. Now, we've said that for a while. That doesn't mean they will do it. I mean, plans change on the fly every fucking day in this company. Um, I forgot what I was going to ask you before, but just... I assume they're still headed in that direction with Cody. I just... They have the whole bloodline thing going on right now. That would mean that Roman will have to be champion for another 9 or 10 months. Is it worth the wait? I don't know. Do you still get the sense that they're building the Cody? I know you said originally that they weren't. Have you changed your mind on that at all? I mean, I think it's possible. I just, I don't know. I just don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I have no idea. But I mean, I just feel like the way it's getting built up. I feel like Solo. I just, I don't know. I feel like the way it's going. I feel like it's leading to Solo. But I mean, it's not like I'd be shocked if it was Cody. But. I think regardless, it's not going to end anytime soon. <laughs> no, I think they're getting this bloodline dissension. We'll talk about that here now. Um, Jimmy standing up to Roman on SmackDown last week. The the turn cemented on uh, Night of Champions, a la Sami Zayn of the Rumble earlier this year. Jay's still conflicted, which I like that little wrinkle. We'll find out tomorrow on SmackDown during the championship celebration for Roman Reigns, who celebrated the Thousand Days on Saturday despite not defending the fucking things. I like Roman and Solo versus the Usos of Money in the Bank. The problem then becomes, it is yet another month where Roman does not defend the title. He will have gone four months between Mania and probably SummerSlam of not defending the championship. Which goes back to what I've said every fucking week since Mania. You could have done this entire same storyline with Cody Rhodes not as the champion. Uh, Do you agree with that or do you think that uh, what they're doing is the right course of action? No, I mean, I think I think there's a good chance we get Jimmy versus Roman at, at Money in the Bank. I think. I hope so. Yeah. I think that's what we could get. I mean, I, I mean, that's what I think is going to happen. I, I mean, it makes sense. Get Roman at least defending the belt. I mean, even with SummerSlam, I mean, how goofy this sounds. You could honestly do Roman and Solo versus the Usos, and the titles on the line. And if one of the Usos pins Roman, they win the belt. Or you could do, even if they pin Solo, you could put, like, a goofy stipulation in there. Technically, still defending the belt. Is he going to lose? No. But that could just be another thing. It's like, oh, if Solo loses, he's going to cost Roman the belt. Like, I don't know. You could do something like that. So, I think we'll get J- Jimmy and Roman at Money in the Bank. Roman wins LOL, obviously. And I'm not exactly sure what you do for SummerSlam, but I feel like you could do something like that. I mean, yeah. Is, does it sound goofy to have a title on the line of the tag team match? Yeah. But honestly... I think that makes more sense than having a bloodline four-way, which I've also seen people talk about. I mean, why would they need to do a four-way of Solo? I mean, I guess anything can change, but if Solo's on Roman's side, then why would he 
why why would he challenge him for the title in a four way? And why would Jimmy and Jay want to face each other as well? That just that would even be goofier to me personally. C- yeah, currently, I agree. You know? Unless there was like a turn somewhere, but like I said, there could be. Like yeah. If you did that, like it also put more pressure on Soul. Like, oh, like if you lose, like you're gonna cost me the belt. Like, da-da-da. yeah, no, no, no. I like that actually. I don't. I don't think that's a bad idea at all. Um, again, I was talking to Randy about this yesterday, but if you had a choice. Because he he's kind of on the mindset that Cody will win the championship as am I, but he didn't he doesn't mind the fact that he thinks it makes more sense. And I've seen other people say this as well. Do you think it makes more sense to have Cody drop or rather Roman drop the championship after the Bloodline dissension, after he loses everyone in the Bloodline? You know, uh, Jimmy, Jay, Sammy, Solo all leave him. I don't know about Heyman, and then Cody wins it, and that him losing the championship is the final chapter of his story? Or would you have preferred, which I've said a million times, that him losing the championship isn't the final step of the storyline. It's just a chapter where he lost at WrestleMania. And what we're seeing now, like I said earlier, could still happen without Roman Reigns being champion. Would you rather Roman lose the championship after losing everyone in the bloodline? Or would you would have been fine with what they were kind of going for at Mania where he loses it? before the bloodline even leave his side. And that that's kind of what causes him to lose the bloodline after that. Yeah, I know, I agree. Um, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like it makes the most sense if he's gonna lose it's when the bloodline's broken up. But I feel like you said at that point I feel like Solo would be the one beating him. Um mm-hmm. But no, I mean I mean I will agree with you. I don't I mean I th- I don't think I've ever disagreed. I feel like what they're doing now could easily have been done without him being champion, obviously like doesn't need to be champion to do this. Like, the story tells itself. Um, it's not one that really needs a title about it. But, like, I also feel like it does feel a little bit bigger just because he is champion still. But I think regardless, I think it could be done without the belt. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I definitely agree. And um, I guess we'll see where it goes. Listen, it still has my attention. It was getting stale after Mania because there really wasn't much progression. But now that Roman's back... And they're, they they did the turn on Night of Champions. They're not just teasing anything anymore. Uh, we'll see what the fallout is on SmackDown and what they set up for Money in the Bank. A tag team match, again, is cool. It's an attraction. I just fucking hate that Roman might go another pay-per-view. If they don't do what you said and they don't have the title on the line, we might get yet another pay-per-view of Roman not being champ- or not defending the titles, which I think is completely ridiculous. Um, overall thoughts on Night of Champions? I thought it was a pretty good show. I thought it was another solid Saudi show. I feel like uh, Crown Jewel is really good. I think the show they had before that one, I don't know if that was not, uh, I don't know what that one was. Uh, Elimination, Elimination Chamber, Chamber was the one before that. Yeah, I, I thought that was a good show too last year. I feel like the last few Saudi shows they've had have been really good. Once they kind of changed them for just being glorified house shows mm-hmm. and actually doing storyline stuff on it, they have been pretty good. I, I've enjoyed them. So uh, I thought it was a good solid show and yeah, nothing. I, I thought it was a good show, honestly. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I liked the Saturday afternoon shows and kind of quick and over with within a couple of hours and again we'll see what they have in store for uh, Money in the Bank in London coming up in a couple weeks or about a month I think it's actually a month from today on July 1st so I'm looking forward to that Uh, Double or Nothing from last Sunday we don't have to go through every single match we're not going to for this show because there was like 10 or 11 of them Um, your overall impressions of the pay-per-view I thought it was a good show when you asked me the other day I caught up on it later we weren't watching it live obviously we were at NXT Maybe I would have had more negative feelings about it if um, if I watched it live. But, listen, I thought it was a good show. Anyone, ex- I mean, I saw a lot of people saying it was a bad show, and I'm not saying they're wrong. I-, I just don't really know what people were expecting. I mean, we said last week, I thought it would be a good to great show, 
But I'm not surprised that it wasn't a great show because the build sucked. And there wasn't a lot on the show I was looking forward to anyway. I said this on Hashtag yesterday. When we watched Double or Nothing last year, I thought that show sucked. I thought that was one of the worst pay-per-views they've ever fucking done. Mostly because of the booking decisions and shit. There wasn't really anything on the show that I questioned. Like, oh man, this was so stupid. There was just a lot of matches that were just kind of there. Like House, House of Black versus The Acclaimed. Okay. You know, whatever. It went 15 minutes. I'm not really sure why it was that long, but okay. Whatever. Uh, Tony and Jamie. Okay, you know, whatever. Um, Wardlow and Christian that had a great match. The main event was what it was. Anarchy in the arena. Um, it delivered, I guess. It's not my cup of tea. And the Four Pillars match that was uh, very well wrestled as well. Cole and Jericho, not that was kind of underwhelming, but I thought it was, you know, I liked it for what it was. This is not a very eventful pay-per-view. Chris Statlander coming back, I liked. I know, you, I, I know you didn't like that as much, but she came back and won the TBS title from Jade Cargill. I thought it was a great moment. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I think people have come to expect too much from the AW pay-per-views. They do have a higher bar than the WWE shows, but I didn't really have a lot of uh, high hopes for this show, but I thought it met my expectations as being a solid show, um, an enjoyable show, and not one that I hated, and I thought all the booking decisions were mostly correct. Um, beyond that, though, I didn't really have much to say about the show. I thought it was just kind of good for what it was. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think it was... I mean, that all-out show a few years ago was pretty bad. It was probably that was bad too, I thought yeah. it was one of the worst shows they've done so far. Um, uh, yeah. I just, like you said, I think I like I agree with you saying when you said you're like, wasn't the greatest build anyways, but I feel like they've had other shows that didn't have great build and they had a pretty good show. Yeah. But I don't know. I just felt like the booking was... Like you said, the, like the person that won wasn't really like the problem with the booking, but it was just like... Every match had, like, this random interference, like, people included, like, it was all over the place, everyone's on the floor, I mean, I thought, like, even, like, the FT, so, like, the FTR, that match, I thought it was, like, it was a solid match, and then at the end, we got, like, the whole, like, TNA Jeff Jarrett, like, smoking mirrors, like, Karen's hitting people with guitars, and mm-hmm. Jay's getting thrown out, but he's still at ringside, like, all that foolishness, and, I mean, I thought the Four Pillars match was probably the best match of the night, but... I think it's, I mean, I think MJF's so much above all their levels, it's not even funny. Um, I would have just still done MJF and Darby one-on-one. I mean, I get why they did it, but I just felt like Sammy and Jungle Boy just seemed like they're, they just, yeah, they're part of the four pillars, but I just, at this point, they're just not on either, they're not even on Darby's level, let alone MJF, mm-hmm. so. I thought him winning was right. Didn't even, once I saw the tax and shit for Anarchy Arena, I didn't even watch it. I'm, I'm all set. Um, the exploding sneaker, no, thank you. I mean, I'm not, I'm all set with that shit, so I didn't watch that. Um, I was pissed Jade lost, just because, like I said, I think she has got stale, but I also feel like the booking of her, she's just beating job people. Every, every time she wrestles, she's beating, like, nobody's like, up oh, 59-0, it's like she hasn't even wrestled anyone. She beats Taya here, okay match, whatever, and then Chris comes back and beats her, like, in seconds. I just, I don't know. That's like, so, like I just... I don't know. I just if it was like a star, okay. I'm not a huge Statlander fan to begin with, but mm-hmm. like, oh, that's like if Goldberg lost um, some mid card person in WCW on the high on like that. It just I feel like her losing there. Like I'd rather build it up to her to lose than just losing forty seconds. Like now, what do you do with her? I think the problem with Jade and her booking is once she lost the belt, it's like now what? I feel like yeah, she isn't the greatest in the ring. Her aura really, realistically, is that she was undefeated. Now, I just, I don't they, they know. They needed I mean, her identity, yeah. Yeah, her long. identity was literally the streak, and having the belt, like I said, she is really green still. She isn't the greatest in the ring. 
So now what what do you do with her? I mean, I know that she's going after the women's title because that's going to be the whole outcast thing, and she's a heel anyway. So um, it just was interesting. I mean, we'll see what happens. Tater losing. I mean, I guess she's hurt. I mean, I I would have probably went with an interim belt and had like an actual match. I wouldn't just taken the belt right off Hater. I mean, they've done it before, so I don't know why they would just have her lose here to Tony. I like Tony, but the whole outcast thing to me just I think it's awful, honestly. But I'm glad it wasn't Soraya to win, so I guess there's a positive in that. I mean, I guess she didn't win, so I guess that's good. Um, but I think as a whole, I thought it was probably besides that all out show, it was probably their worst show they've had in a while. Probably the worst show they've had. Yeah, I think to me I hate to say it was a bad show. My my, I think the word I kind of use to sum up this pay-per-view is inconsequential. I was not disappointed after we came back from NXT, and I watched this on, on Monday and then again on Tuesday. It was a long show, including the pre-show, too. Um, I was not... I, I wouldn't have been upset anyway because we enjoyed ourselves at NXT, and you're not going to change that. But I'm thinking, okay, I'm not... I, I didn't miss much. I, I didn't. I didn't, wasn't spoiled. I watched the whole show without spoilers, but I'm thinking I'm not mad I did not watch the show live. Because I mean, I will, we, say, I will say though, I think if I watched it live, I would have hated it more. I agree. No, I agree. I think watching it after the fact helped because I was able to skip through all like the commercials and the bullshit and stuff like that. I mean, you skipped through some of the matches. I watched all the matches. Even then, it took me a, a little while to watch the whole thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I like the show. Is it going to be one I go back and watch like we did the first one a few years ago? No, absolutely not. Um, just I think. We, we said this, I think, last week. Is it not clear that their sights are set on everything else but double or nothing? They were already building towards collision in a couple weeks. They had their mindset on All In, on Forbidden Door, on the Canada shows, on All Out. I mean, this show felt like a complete afterthought, and that's even more apparent now than it was a week ago. No, I agree. I think they've been focusing on Forbidden Door, um, Collision definitely. I felt like you said, I feel like it was a... Decently, they had some decently wrestled matches, but like I said, not watching it live wasn't like I was heartbroken. And I think if I watched it live, I would have been even more pissed. So I thought it was a fine show, but I think I think they had their sights set on other things. And the show, I mean, I thought it was like their WrestleMania, but I guess Tony says they're all the same. I guess I don't know. It was their first show. Usually, it's like the biggest event, mm-hmm. and I feel like the last two years has been their biggest dud of pay per views. It was. I think it's been the worst show they've done in the last two years. This year, definitely. I mean, they've only had two pay per views so far, but this year so far, yeah, Revolution was a much better show. And last year, I agree as well. I watched that show at your place last year, and I thought, man, this show sucked. This show was not good for the most part. Um, and then two years ago, I think it was a better show because it was during COVID and whatnot, and it was just a better show. But not this year. I am looking forward to the other shows. They will be watching the other shows live. And I'm looking forward to watching those live. This one, I didn't really have that much of a desire to do so. Um, speaking of what we were at live, though, instead, we were at NXT LOL Battleground on Sunday night. Um, I honestly wasn't expecting much. I don't really expect much out of the NXT shows at this point. You can't compare them to the takeovers of old. It's a completely different beast. But listen, we went. They had six matches. And I honestly thought it was a pretty good show. If you said it was the best show of the weekend, I don't know if I would disagree with you. I don't think that's an egregious opinion. Um, I think Double or Nothing was the weakest show of the three. I think Battleground might be up there, if not better, than Night of Champions. And maybe I'm just saying that because we were there. We had great seats in the front row. But it ended up being a pretty good show. Uh, six straightforward matches. We had a new NXT Women's Champion crowned in Tiffany Stratton. Uh, great opener for the North American Championship. Wesley, Tyler Bate, Joe Gacy. Really good stuff. That was like takeover level. 
Ilya Dragunov Dijak, another takeover level match, a last man standing, excellent match, one of the best matches in WWE all year, in my opinion. Uh, Noam Dar and Dragon Lee, the British Rounds Rules match, eh, not my cup of tea. Not as bad as I thought it would be, not bad, but like, I, I didn't really care for this at all. I know you said it exceeded ex- your expectations, I agree, it was well worked, but I'm just like, it's just, I hate the round shit, it's not consistent, people don't care. It was alright though, um, I don't like how they're booking Dragon Lee so far. Gallus and Creed Brothers had a good match. Crowd didn't care early on, but once they had that great suplex spot from, I think, Julius Creed. That really got the crowd into it. That was great. Um, Fun match, hard-hitting, solid stuff. Gallus win. And then the main event. uh, I already mentioned Stratton and Valkyria. That was, uh, you know, again, got good down the stretch. Tiffany becoming champion. Really impressive showing from Lyra. And then the main event, Carmelo Hayes retaining the NXT Championship in his hometown, so to speak, in Lowell uh, as a mass native. Um, against Braun Breaker in what was an even better match than their standing deliver match. So um, I thought this was a really good show, and I'm glad we went, and I'm glad we attended because I honestly thought, having seen all their live specials in the last year, this was one of the better ones they've done since uh, at the, I, I, in my opinion anyway, since the turnover to NXT 2.0. No, I thought this was a really solid show. I, th- I, I mean, I had a lot of fun. Uh, I know my dad had a lot of fun. He really didn't know much about the NXT product. I thought all the matches were good to solid. Um, like I said, the Heritage one was probably the one you'd probably be like, eh. I mean, I don't really, I didn't really understand the rules, like, obviously before, like, I didn't know they had rounds and stuff, but I think for how they booked it, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. I mean, I feel like the in-between rounds wasn't too long, so it's not like you're sitting around waiting, so I thought that was fine. Um, I thought Valkyra and Stratton was good. I, I mean, I was really impressed with Valkyra after this. I mean, I know she's been wrestling, like, she was in the indies for a little bit, and Stratton is, like, a PC trained wrestler so but i thought valkyra looked great here um like you said her character isn't amazing but i don't know she gives me like kaylee ray vibes i feel like really good in the ring the gimmicks kind of just there mm-hmm. um but i think she's a really good worker uh gallus was I'm, I'm impressed with them i mean i think they, they were really well that that match was, a, was pretty solid as well and then like i said the main event was was a really good match mellow winning just made sense i mean i think they could have put the bells on Braun, but just to turn him heel to put the belt back on him. I mean, I think it's Mello's time to run with the belt, so I was kind of glad that he retained here. You see the report that uh, Breaker and the Creeds could be main roster bound soon? I mean, didn't they just have a draft? I know, that's what I thought too, but <laughs> may- may- maybe they intentionally held them back. Because Actually, I can't even say that. I can't even say they held them back because they are they were busy through Battleground. Indy was the fucking champion, and they, they drafted her, so I don't think that was intentional. Um I don't know. I was just, I was I obviously expected Breaker to lose. I know you picked Gallus to win. I thought the Creeds would win. I mean, they got a title shot. I think it's standing to lever in a four-way tag match and they lost. They were on a triple threat tag for the titles right after that in April and they lost that too. So I'm thinking, all right, last chance, this is it. And they lost again, albeit from interference from Ava Rain. And again, th- to be fair here, there was a quite a bit of interference in this show as well. There was interference in the Noam Dar Dragon Lee match and Gallus and Creed Brothers. Um, not so much. That was, that was, there wasn't a whole lot of interference otherwise, but it wasn't as overdone as it was a double or nothing for anyone that says, Oh, this one had interference too. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't I as, mean, the, one with, the thing is the one with Ava Rain, there's more her attacking Ivy Nile that then distracted the creeds. It was yeah. Like got involved in the match. It was the just one, one spot. Legend, though, though. She hit fucking Dragon Lee with the, uh, with like the bucket. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there was no chair, there was no uh, guitar shots to the referees, so that's kind of my uh, threshold there. I mean, that didn't really that the, the interference in the show didn't really bother me, but yeah, no, with uh, the Creeds, I was surprised they lost. I was surprised they lost. 
I think they are headed to the main roster. They weren't on NXT. It doesn't mean they are getting called up. The Creeds, I could see more than Breaker, or rather Breaker more than the Creeds. I mean, at least Breaker, maybe I, I could see him staying behind and doing one more feud before he gets called up before SummerSlam. I think all these guys can do well. Um, Raw just got a whole bunch of new people in the draft. I mean, they're trying to get Dragunov, not Dragunov, uh, McDonough over. They're trying to get Zoe Stark over. They just got Apollo Crews, Indu Sheer. They still haven't used Katana Chance, Caden Carter, Odyssey Jones on Raw. And then over on SmackDown, they're trying to get Pretty Deadly over. Um, Grayson Waller just arrived on that show. Dawn and Fire. Dawn and Fire been all over the show. Yeah, so I just, I don't know. I don't know if you... They, they do belong in the main roster. I just, I'm just i just kind of worried that they'll get lost in the shuffle because they, they already called up a lot of people literally less than a month ago. And I don't want them to just be called up just for the sake of being called up. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, they belong there. I, I think Breaker could do really well on Raw as a heel on that show. I mean, they fucking need him on Raw. They need more heels. He could be in Money in the Bank for all we fucking know. But I don't know. I just feel like the timing is odd. Maybe just wait a little bit longer. With Breaker, I feel like you could get away with him. I mean, I think he's... I mean, I feel like he's a breakout guy. I mean, he's main event level. With the other guys, like I said, I feel like they are kind of more mid-card to lower mid-card, so it's like they could... Him coming up, honestly, could detract them as well. But I feel like with him, since he is a, like a main event guy, I feel like he could be fine on either show. Like I said, Raw could use heel, so it makes sense for Raw specifically. Um... With the Creeds, I think they're good. I just, like you said, with Pretty Deadly getting called up, I think they have other teams and other people they really were focused on. I mean, I wouldn't hate it, though. I mean, I just... With the tag team division, I just really want to know, like, what Triple H's mindset is right now. I feel like they're, like, pushing people, but they're not. Like, Owens and Zayn are still, like, facing or all over the show, but they're not really facing, like, any of, like, the actual tag teams that they have. Mm. Um, like... I mean, I'm so over the Viking Raiders, so I don't want to see them. But, like, I feel like that could be, like, a first good feud for the Creeds. But then it's like, what do you do for them? I feel like bringing them up, you'd have to either put the belts on them or they're kind of just going to be another team, unfortunately. So maybe if they split the belts up or I don't know what the hell they're doing with those. But they would have to do something important or they'd kind of just be another team. Um, like, even, like, people like the Street Profits, like, they're so over, but they're just, like, another team on the roster at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, Montez is in a fucking money than qualifier. I mean, what else do you really do with them at this point? I mean, they need to go heel, too. I mean, I feel like they've been the same characters, I mean... For years, yeah. For years at this point, so I feel like they could use a heel run. Um, but, I mean, like I said, I feel like if they're not going for the... Like, they've lost... They lost to Owens and Zayn already. They lost the Usos, like, a thousand times. I mean, they really do need to shake it up a little bit. They just They're kind of like losers at this point. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they have a lot of. They actually have a lot of tag teams at this point. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, but they've really strengthened their tag team division in WWE in the main roster to where now I still wouldn't split up the tag titles, but it's a bit more plausible now than it would have been a couple months ago. Um, they have more meaningful teams, which is good. I still would keep them merged, but it doesn't. If you keep them merged, it doesn't give a lot of opportunities to, you know, the Creed brothers. And they're doing more tag team feuds outside of the title picture. I will say that. I mean, they're doing, like, the Viking Raiders and Alpha Academy. Is it a feud that we really care about? No. But, you know, it's something. They're doing pretty deadly in the Brawling Brutes and SmackDown. They're trying, so I give them that. Um, yeah, I just wouldn't call them up right now. I actually, I misspoke. They were on NXT on Tuesday. Breaker was not. We did not hear or see him. We did not hear from him or see him. The Creeds were in a backstage segment. They brawled with um, Schism, that the terrible act. So, they're clearly building to a six-person there with... 
Ivy and the Creeds against Eva and the Dyad. So beyond that, I don't know what their future holds, but it, they might be staying down there for a little bit longer, maybe through SummerSlam, and then from there you can reevaluate. That's it, brother. That's all from the uh, uh, wrestling this past weekend over Memorial Day weekend, Battleground, Double or Nothing, and Night of Champions. Got it all out of the way last weekend, so we have a couple weeks off from just enjoying not wrestling, anything but wrestling for the next couple weeks until we get to Money in the Bank in early July, Forbidden Door. Actually, I'm sorry, there is a pay-per-view this month. It's Forbidden Door at the end of the month. How could I forget? Um, AEW doesn't have a pay-per-view in July, but they do have their Owen Hart Cup tournament, which we heard more about. And, um, yeah, that was about it. So, great time as always, brother, seeing you at the show on Sunday. We will speak more next week about what. I have no fucking clue. It's going to have a a week where we don't have a lot to talk about. Well, hopefully something happens. But until then, new episodes every single Thursday, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Pandora. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss new episodes every single Thursday. Um, have an awesome Mr. Marcel. I'll catch your ass next week, brother. See you later, man. Adios. <laughs>